Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I got a varmint problem out on the range. The only thing left to do is invoke the 25th Amendment. It's high noon for Friday, October 9th, 2020. Nancy Pelosi came out this morning and announced that the House was going to take up a bill to, I guess, provide justification that Trump is indirectly not well, because they, of course, can't prove that he's not well. The doctors say he is well. They think he's acting crazy. No. What they want to do is the same thing that they have wanted to do for the last four plus years. They're trying to find a magic bullet to rid themselves of Donald Trump. Now, when Donald Trump entered the race, they said things like they hope that he wins the primary because they would love to run against him because he's so incompetent and so foolish, such a bad candidate. Well, they got what they wished for. By the way, I made that argument in 2015. I thought Ted Cruz, because he was more effective and more a part of the system, would actually be able to institute more Republican policies. And at the time, I was ignorant enough to think that that would be a bad idea. But I was wrong and the Democrats were wrong. And so Trump became the candidate and he hung around a lot longer than they expected. He was able to get himself Tons of free airtime. And he was able to insert his narratives into the common conversation through the mainstream media by taking advantage of their own incompetence. Okay. And they still are making the same mistakes, of course, because these are not smart people. But Trump will say and write and do things that they will make fun of because he knows that when they do that, 
they'll be sharing his message. And how would you get the mainstream media to cover the things that you want to say if you know that their only MO is to constantly try to paint you as an idiot, a fool, greedy, or racist? Well, you'd have to play their game, give them something to think about so that they could execute their narrative as they always do. And then your message goes out to the public. All right. And so that's what was happening during the campaign in 2016. And then Hillary's emails dropped. And then they found the Wiener laptop that has Huma Abedin's emails to and from Hillary and others on it. Okay. So Hillary comes up with the Russian collusion hoax. Barack Obama knew about it. John Brennan knew about it. James Comey knew about it. They were all critical in executing that hoax. They forged documents to the FISA court, among other things. I'm not trying to tell that whole story again. I just want to like make sure that we're on the same page about the narrative here. Somehow they got the leaked Hollywood access tape, that didn't work. And Trump won. And after Trump won, they immediately started investigating Michael Flynn again, more seriously. Harassing his family literally the day after. And on January 5th, 2017, during the transition, there was a meeting in the Oval Office between Obama, Biden, Comey, Susan Rice, and Sally Yates. At that meeting... Joe Biden brought up using the Logan Act. Not making this up, it's documented. It is literally in documents produced at the time. Susan Rice even emailed herself multiple times so that she could cement her narrative as part of the record. Okay, all this stuff has been manipulated. And then the press and the hashtag resistance began their silly mission the day Trump was put into office. And it's been going on ever since. The Mueller investigation was supposed to be a magic bullet. They could get Trump out of office with that. The Russia hoax the same thing. Then impeachment was a magic bullet. Then COVID and the economy are magic bullets. And I'm not saying that COVID isn't real. I'm saying that the coverage of it and the democratic reaction to it have both been for one singular goal, and that is to get rid of Trump without an election. Okay? They used the race story of the entire summer to do the same. They sure haven't been on that one too hard lately. Why did they stop talking about Black Lives Matter? They deny that Antifa exists, even though it burns down cities and destroys people's businesses and property. Now they've begun infiltrating the suburbs. Wrecking people's houses while their families sleep inside. Do the Democrats condemn this? No. They try to pretend that the Proud Boys are an issue. 
And they believe that all of these things will be the one magic bullet that can save them from Trump. And why would they need to be saved? Why couldn't they just have a normal election? If Trump is as bad and as stupid and as dangerous and has given people the bad lives they claim he has, shouldn't it be easy to win an election over him? But of course not, because they'll try to convince you that half the country is racist or stupid or ignorant or anti-science or anti-woman or anti-gay or trying to tear down the Constitution or authoritarian or dictators. There's no proof of any of that. Meanwhile, the tech platforms are silencing dissenting voices. I right now am in the midst of a seven-day lockout of Twitter because I made one of those uh, like resist jokes. Like people were literally making it an issue about old white men running for president as if the Democrats didn't choose their nominee and the Proud Boys voted for Joe Biden. And I said, I said, kill all old white people, resist, like all in capital letters with some exclamation points and then a bunch of wave emojis. And for that, I'm off Twitter for seven days. It's hilarious. They also locked Rick Grinnell out of his account. Rick Grinnell is in the president's inner circle and was the former director of national intelligence. What did they lock him out for? For posting a picture that someone had sent him and gave him permission to post. By the way, that person posted last night. Rick Grinnell posted that with my full permission because the two ballots that he posted were addressed to my parents who have been dead for over 10 years. That's what he said. But Rick Grinnell got locked out of Twitter for that. Why would they do that? Either what he's saying is not real and then they could, of course, make the argument that it's not real, but they can't make that argument because what he showed happening actually happened. So then what's the alternative? The alternative is that they don't want that view out there. And it's obvious that they don't. They've been playing this game now for months. They are setting up narratives of election interference and election disinformation. For months, so that when legitimate criticism of what's happening in the election occurs, they can call it the thing they made up months ago and then silence it because the culture has already inserted the narrative that that is the right thing to do with that information. So they're still looking for this magic bullet. And the funniest thing is she'll introduce this legislation now while Congress isn't even in session. So nothing's going to happen with it. She's doing it before an election so that she can insert the narrative that Donald Trump actually is crazy. But what would be the use of that? Okay. I mean, aside from the PR, what's the use?
Well, if she's able to have that bill there and Congress comes back in session, she can then pass it through the Democratic House and then it will stop unless, of course, the Democrats retake the Senate. And then what? If Trump loses, she can keep saying that it's at least good to have as a stopgap because we know what can happen. And of course, Biden will go along with it because what does he have? Decision making power? No. And then they take Biden out with it. I mean, what in the world is happening? Like their candidate cannot function. And they're trying to set up a new mechanism by which to invoke the 25th Amendment. For Donald Trump. Sounds odd to me if it doesn't sound odd to you. I don't know what might be odd. And so speaking of the uh, the tech censorship, good old Yelp has announced themselves a proud part of the dystopia. Yelp is now going to be putting badges on businesses that have been accused of racism. If that doesn't scare you, you're not smart. I I don't even know what else to say about this stuff at this point. People think this stuff is okay and it's not a big deal. And why is it not a big deal? Oh, well, because, you know, racism is one of the biggest problems in America, even though it isn't. And people who have studied this literally say that America is the least bigoted country in the world. And of course, that's true because we're the most multicultural and people of all ethnicities and backgrounds are represented in our top 1% of income earners. So if we're oppressing people based on race, we're doing a very bad job of it. And if and by the way, that's not denying that people are oppressed. I just think that we have the wrong answer there. And if you want to hear the right answer, go listen to Apocalypse Now. That was recorded in early August, I think. So now their users, Yelp users, have the opportunity with no proof whatsoever to go attack businesses and call them racist. And this isn't anything new, by the way. People have been doing this on Yelp for quite a while. But now Yelp is flagging them and making them public. Okay. And this is something that people have also done to get employees fired from businesses. They will leave Yelp reviews specifically about a person, even though they had never uh, patronized the business in the first place, right? There's somebody whose life they want to ruin. They will go to that person's place of employment and they will leave a review about how bad that person is or what that person did on Instagram or Twitter and make sure that the business fires that person. So what we have created now as a culture is a situation where the social justice mob, the Antifas of the world, the woke Democrats of the world, 
can destroy a business anytime they like. Anytime they like. And then what? Do they call a local newspaper outlet or a blog and say, hey, this business that everybody really likes has a Yelp badge on it. I think you might be really interested to know that this business that everybody likes is actually racist, according to Yelp. Is your business safe from that? You own a clothing store. What happens if you don't carry the right size of something? Something that someone really wants and they really want it. And you tell them, sorry, we don't have your size. Can you order it? No, these are actually handmade and uh, it's hard to come by them. Okay, you're racist. There you go. Your business is over. Congratulations. You think that's impossible? You think I'm making a scenario up? This stuff happens all the time. Go through people's Yelp reviews. Go through businesses' Yelp reviews. If you want a great place to start, go to any bar that has a doorman outside of it who didn't let someone in, potentially because of what they were wearing. They had a dress code. Maybe that person was intoxicated and a liability for the bar to invite them in. And so that person just started screaming that the problem was that they were racist or sexist or homophobic or something. Literally any bar, try it. So long as they have a doorman. It is literally not even legal for a bar to allow a patron to come in if that person is overserved. But people try it all the time. I've seen this with my own eyes, by the way. This isn't a story I'm just making up out of the ether. This is a real thing that happens. And then people are embarrassed to not be allowed to go into the bar. They're embarrassed that they're completely shit-faced and making an ass of themselves. And they're not happy to sit with that on their own and consider what they might have done wrong or the position that they might be putting them uh, that business into. And so they take their Uber home. They're a shithead to the driver. And in the meantime, they're punching out a Yelp review about how the place was actually racist. And I'm not even saying that the person was a person of color. White girls do this because they're entitled. And I'm not saying all white girls, obviously. But because they think that they are entitled to be treated perfectly by everyone who's fortunate enough to cross their paths, that because they were made to feel bad, somebody deserves to be punished. And now we are formalizing this, cementing it in our culture. And people think that voting for Joe Biden is a good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea if you want this stuff to happen all the time. And then what happens when other platforms adopt this badging system? What happens when my podcast platforms do this and some little angry woke 
decides to go start leaving those kinds of reviews. People do review bombs all the time. Go into my iTunes reviews. There are two one-star reviews. One of them didn't listen to the show at all and just got mad on Twitter. And one of them had already been attacking me on Instagram and then said they were going to do that. See it for yourself. What happens when iTunes starts badging things like they'll leave it up. So I'm not technically being censored. I'm just having my, my character and my personal reputation ruined by this business that doesn't bother to find out if it's true. Do you know how many lawsuits there are going to be against Yelp, against these people? Or there should. If there's not, then we've really entered a bad place. But everybody always says, oh, yeah, well, this is Trump's America. In fact, I think I'm going to have to talk about this. I am going to... uh, I'm going to be on John Wood Jr.'s podcast this afternoon, and his uh, we've already talked about this in advance. I'm not getting ambushed. His producer is anti-Trump, and he wanted to invite the producer to you know ask questions and challenge the positions and stuff, and I'm fine with that. And I said, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's do it. So I don't know uh, anything about his producer other than that's his you know, prior position, okay? And so dude might be a genius. Dude might be uh, a regular woke person. I don't care. I'll talk to anybody. But I'm sure that one of the conversations that's going to come up is this is Trump's America. No. This is woke culture's America. Okay. Trump did not kill George Floyd. Trump didn't kill any of those people. Trump didn't set the conditions for that to happen either. How's that true and obvious? Well, because these situations happened before was before Trump was in political life. In fact, this became a problem under Obama. BLM started under Obama. So Trump isn't the avatar of oppression. It makes no sense to claim that he is. BLM is a political organization that is totally detached from caring about black lives. They call themselves trained Marxists. They have a fiscal sponsor that protects them from taxation or having to report what their money is spent on. On the board of that fiscal sponsor, Thousand Currents, sits a woman named Susan Rosenberg, who is a convicted domestic terrorist pardoned by Bill Clinton on his last day in office. All of that is true. And provable. So that ain't Trump. The idea that all these things we hate about the culture, because we can see where it's going, 
the censorship, race quotas, discrimination written into laws, literally written into laws, critical race theory, Marxist takeover, Antifa violence, Chinese influence and capture of all of our institutions. That's not Trump's America. That's woke cultures, America. That is communist America. That is people who cannot win power on their own and cannot convince people of their ideas. So they have cheated to capture the presidency and failed. They have tried to undermine America's foreign policy as chosen by the new president and failed. They have tried to investigate the president to invalidate his election and failed. They have tried to impeach the president and failed. And then they tried to institute universal mail-in balloting, a system where every day we get new cases of fraud and abuse. And they did this because they know that they cannot win an election for real. The only people that believe they can are the centrist intelligentsia, the people who are completely in line with the central narrative, the people who weren't skeptical enough to question whether what they were being told about COVID was correct, for instance, the people who literally can't read statistics on police violence. Those are the only people that see it this way. And those people have a mental disorder. And they are extraordinarily privileged. Please notice, not one of these media figures, these overpaid, overhyped bloggers, was prevented from working this whole time. They've sat in the corner of their little apartments. The left has actually amplified fringe voices. Molly Jong Fast is on television almost every day. She's an absolute lunatic. She's a rich kid in New York who now writes insanity blogs and rage tweets 24 hours a day. The lady is nuts. Go to her Twitter feed. And guys, that's just good advice in general, by the way. Go to these people's Twitter feeds. People think I'm always just hammering on about the media because I don't like what it says. That's not the case. You can go on these people's Twitter feeds and within a matter of tweets or a matter of days, figure out their political biases. It's not hard to see. They're not secretive about it. It's right out there in front. And when you know their extraordinary bias what in the world would make you think that stops when they have to do their job? And of course it doesn't because their job is literally that to produce anti-Trump content for anti-Trump readers because that's how they make money. The New York Times literally sells its subscriber data to other companies so that those companies can target 
New York Times subscribers with ads because they know everything about those subscribers because the New York Times is connected to your Facebook so it knows all your demographic information and it knows what you read, of course. And so they sell that information. The news organization does. They're also making a venture into scripted television. They also literally got their op-ed editor fired for publishing an op-ed by Senator Tom Cotton. If you don't understand what this is after listening to this podcast for a few weeks, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like the stuff's not even hidden anymore. The only reason people aren't able to believe this stuff is not because it's not convincing enough as objective, reasonable information. It's because they don't want to admit what believing this stuff would say about them. What it would say about the people that they have ejected from their lives, been rude to, lied to, insulted. Either that, or they think that they're going to lose the respect of their peers, which is what the intelligentsia is concerned about. That's what I call respectability ideology. I will definitely be talking about that today on John Wood's podcast. And I imagine it'll come out sometime next week. And there's video too. Hooray. But this isn't secret underground information. It's these people's actual documents and text messages and meetings. The stuff is proven. The mainstream media covers it in bits and pieces. But they'll just say, you don't understand the narrative. No, I mean, yeah, we told you all these things, but the way you're putting them together, no, that's a conspiracy theory. Really? Well, then how come they don't talk about it at all? How come they don't actually debunk any of the stuff? Are they going to claim that these text messages aren't real? Of course they're not because they can't. They know they are real. No one's even making that argument. There is actual proof, documented proof of Hillary concocting the Russia hoax and all these people knowing about it. There is proof of all of it. Okay, all of it. Watch James Comey's testimony. Watch Sidney Powell on YouTube at Hillsdale College talking about what happened to Michael Flynn. The shit is real and it matters. And that is why they want the magic bullet. Because they can't beat him another way. And so last thing before I wrap up. Yesterday, uh, after I finished the show, I looked up my polling place, which is something I've been checking every couple of weeks for the last few months because, you know, they should be announced. Now, every polling place 
that is listed on the Secretary of State's website in and around, you know, Hollywood and Los Angeles is open from now, I believe, or some date in October, depending on the location, until November 2nd, okay? And you can drop off your ballot there or you can vote early and in person, as they say. But they haven't listed any polling places for November 3rd. And why are they doing that? Has it ever been a problem before to open enough polling places? Of course not. We've had elections before in person. They want to know who hasn't voted yet by the time November 3rd rolls around. And then force them into a reduced number of places based on the fact that they had available all these other places for early voting. So what is easier, finding people to run a bunch of polling places for one day or doing the same thing for four weeks? Well, of course, it's the first one. So they're actually using far more resources to set voting up this way. And they're also introducing greater chances for fraud and abuse. Because now it's not only the mail-in ballots that need to be worried about. It's the integrity of each one of these locations and all the ballots that go through them. Is it definitely going to be a problem? Who knows? Does it present a new opportunity for problems on purpose? Sure does. And why are they hiding what our polling places will be on November 3rd? They don't have it planned yet? Vote early and in person. That's what they tell you. Why should I, as a Californian who is going to vote for Donald Trump, trust that the system that they are laying out will count my vote? And the liberals think, oh, yeah, well, you know, fine. Good. We need him out of office. It doesn't matter what it takes. Do you understand how immoral that is? Do you understand how you should never again say the phrase voter suppression? This is voter suppression. This is taking down the integrity of the election and people's confidence that their vote will be counted. This is how great countries end. And they are doing it on purpose. And you can see they're doing it on purpose because it is entirely happening on one side, the Democrats. It is entirely happening in Democratic states. This isn't a mystery. They want to permanently ban voter ID laws. We talked about it yesterday. That's literally in their coronavirus relief package. Look at how corrupt California has been this whole time. And they have literally changed the method of voting. 
for California citizens. Do you think for a second that they would make these changes out of an honest concern for fairness? Where is the proof that these people operate that way? There is none. They don't operate that way. These people are nuts. Okay? This is anti-American. If you think this is a normal election, you are wrong. This is an attempted coup, and it has been attempted for the last four years. And just wait till after the election that they don't win. Thank goodness that Trump is thwarting them in the courts. California is still accepting ballots for something like, it's either 14 or 17. I think it's 14, but I just have the number 17 in my head for some reason. But uh, 14 days after the election or 17 days, they'll still accept ballots so long as they were postmarked, right? By November 3rd. But they don't need to be postmarked because all they have to do is say that those ballots were from drop boxes, but that we missed one. Oh, we need a thousand more ballots in Santa Clara County. Oh, well, we've got those. Somehow we uh, just didn't find this whole other drop box fell off a truck. You guys don't have to agree with me about the conclusions, but please see what is going on here. And then think about it for yourself. Research it for yourself. You could think I'm off the rails. That's fine. But be reasonable. Look at the other side. Because the other side is a fucking nightmare now. This is the dystopia. Your team betrayed you. Walk away. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Listen to Hope's Fall. Goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at imyourmoderator.com or use the hashtag heymoderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. Moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. 
The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!